<sighs> it's nice to be out in the garden, isn't it, Ian? You know, it's uh, it's been a little chilly, but it's a nice clear day. We've got a nice sort of hot toddy, and it's a relaxing news week. Nothing, nothing horrible yeah. has happened. Yeah, just after... chilled. We can yeah. do some product releases and just yeah, pretend maybe, we're yeah. a product release cast. Absolutely. Well, we do have that product release cast, product cast, you know, so we'll have to do that spin off. Warning, yeah, warning, warning. Big board game news detected. Warning, warning, warning. Big board game news detected. Jamie, why are you standing behind me saying that? I I thought I uh, we don't have the money for recording of an alarm, so I decided to do it by myself and hope you wouldn't notice. Um, there has been some stuff, and I'm gonna have to call you back in. Listen, I'll, I'll take those hot toddies. Don't worry, I'll keep them in the oven. You can keep hot toddies in ovens, can't you? To keep them warm, I don't know. I'm sure nothing will happen to the glass. I've never worked in a kitchen. Don't don't at me. Um, we we gotta go. We gotta go. Um, do you know what? I'll just I'll I'll stick them in the microwave. That'll be fine, won't it? Microwave. No. Okay. Um. Like just stick them downstairs near the anomaly. It keeps it nice and warm down there. Yeah, recent radiation. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I'll come back and. Yep. It'll be fine. And. Well then, I'm Jamie Adams. Uh, I'm Ian McAllister. I'm Ian Chandler, and this is Brainwaves episode sixty-six, bringing you the best in board game and tabletop gaming news. These are the headlines for the week of eighth February, twenty twenty-one. Rado runs into trouble. Tashini issues apology and donates to charity, and Tabletop Simulator outsources their translation. All this and more on this episode of Brainwaves. Our first episode of news, Mr. McAllister. Uh, our first episode of news? That makes no sense. But anyway, let's uh, run on with it. So, of course, last time on the cast, we were talking about all sorts of problems in the board gaming community with uh, people saying things they really, really shouldn't. Well, we thought that was all over and we're looking forward to a nice, quiet week. Unfortunately, that has not happened. Richard Hamm, who is more commonly known to the tabletop community as Rado on Rado Runs Through It, is one of the biggest video podcast people in board gaming. He's got a huge, huge channel. On episode 69 of his podcast called Rado Runs Through It, he responded to the criticisms of Daniel Tashini and also weighed in on Phil Eklund and Robert DeBure of Fun Again Games. I listened to the cast first thing this morning on my way to work, and I can summarize it as follows. He's very defensive about Tashini claiming people have an axe to grind over the matter. Rado claims to have done research and asked Italian friends over the word neri that is part of what Tashini said and has been interpreted by the, as the N-word by some. He claims it is not as offensive as has been said and also goes on to say that he worked with people with it as a surname, proving that it can't be that bad because surely you would have had an embarrassing surname changed, which I personally think is not a terribly great argument. Tashini's black friends have also defended him on Twitter, according to Rado. We haven't seen that ourselves. Rado thinks Tashini has been falsely accused and that, no pun included, should have reached out to him for comment rather than publicly shaming him, notably while publicly shaming, no pun included, on his cast. Previous mistakes by Tashini over Aztec and Mayan cultures in... Jamie, can you pronounce this one for me, please? Teotihuacan. Thank you, Jamie. He has, uh, Tashini has apparently apologized for. Now, I've done a wee bit of digging on this and I cannot find any genuine apologies from Tashini on the matter. I can find the Reddit article we linked last time when we were talking about Tashini. And there's also a kind of non apology in an interview that Tashini did as well. Basically, when he says it's only a game after all, effectively. 
Rado asked for Tashini to be treated with empathy and claims that Tashini's apology was torn apart line by line by some in the media. He goes on at the end of his cast to condemn De Boer, but supports the staff at Fun Again Games for standing up to him and effectively ousting him from the company, and also goes on to condemn Phil Eklund completely. Now, uh, I'm the only one of the three of us who's actually listened to the cast. I've listened to it twice, and there's a reason I'm mentioning that. I listened to the cast this morning on my way to work and this evening to make the notes that we're reading off right now. There's been a bit of chat online about whether the cast has been edited after it has gone out. I am 100% confirming that that has happened. When I listened to it this morning, the bit I mentioned in the article just now about people having an axe to grind, that has been removed. It happens round about the 251-54 mark on the cast. We'll put a link to the cast in the show notes so you can listen for yourselves. But there's a very distinct edit that you can hear. Maybe that'll be gone by the time this goes out, but there is definitely an edit happened. He also mentions NPI a lot, no pun included, a lot, five or six times over the course of the segment. That number is definitely down on a second listening. So I don't know exactly what else has been removed. And I can't fully remember. I'm 100% standing behind the idea that their cast has been edited after it has gone out. That alone is troubling. Without him mentioning it, he doesn't mention it anywhere on the BGG page for the cast, certainly. I don't know if he mentions it anywhere else, but it has not been mentioned as far as I can tell. We're working on sourcing an original version of the cast, and we'll, of course, share that if we get our hands on one. So, yeah, that is kind of worrying behavior. He also mentions getting cancelled or cancelling a few times. And that, as mentioned on the last cast, is a huge red flag for me personally. The idea of cancel culture I find kind of abhorrent. It's basically a construct of the right wing. Towards the end, around about the 326-ish mark, he says, and I quote, racism is important, sexism is important, but COVID kills people. This is when he's talking about board game media folk being pictured on Twitter and Instagram, playing games with each other and not wearing masks, which is a perfectly reasonable point to make. However, it feels very dismissive of what he's talking about, especially with Dashini and the racism angle. And it's well established by now that the black community has suffered a lot more from COVID than the white community has, and that poor communities that are predominantly BAME have also suffered more. Racism kills as well. We're a small platform and we're trying to do our best to talk about some pretty horrible things in the community. We try to talk about the actual news of the community, which occasionally means we're talking about some horrible things. And we make no apologies for that. These things need talked about. They're not talked about enough in the community. And we're trying to foster a good community around that to talk about it. If your community, if you prevaricate over issues like this, if you're not strong, if you're not strongly condemning this kind of of racism and sexism and just homophobia or anything like that in the community. If you're if you're leading a community and you're not strongly picking people out of your community and kicking them out for being horrible and awful, then you can foster something much, much darker and more horrible. And that has been seen recently in a couple of death threats that Danny from at Danny Plays Games on Twitter has received, where the guy mentions basically Rado in the death threat like basically leave rado alone you've got to be strong on this stuff we have we have a policy on our discord of like basically you get one chance if you say something horrible and then you're gone and it'd be the same for anyone who follows me on twitter or facebook i i i run the twitter and facebook for the most part 
if you have opinions like this, I don't want you following me or anywhere near anything I do. You can leave. The door's that way. I don't want to hear from you. I don't care. Don't shout about rules or whatever. I don't care. You've, we've got to be strong on this stuff and we've got to take a stance. And if we don't, stuff like what's happening to Danny Plays Games happens. And that's completely awful. So Ian, we've got an actual update from Daniel Tashini though, and it's actually decent. Potentially. What makes Rado's actions even more confusing is the statement put out by Tashini on Friday the 29th of January. I'm just going to quote the entire thing now. Tashini says, I've had a lot of time to think about what happened, and I've learned many things I wasn't aware of. I've learned that my words and actions are part of the racial problem. Instead of trying to understand your point or view or listen to your words, I was more concerned with trying to explain why the white European view should win the argument. I've also learned that no matter what my intent is, the result of what I say or do can still cause harm to somebody. I didn't mean to hurt you with my words, but I did, and for this I am sorry. I also didn't want to reject or ignore you when I finally understood that I had hurt you, but I did, and for that I am sorry. I'm also sorry that I tried to make excuses for myself instead of just apologising and making sure that you were okay. I've also learned how being born and raised in a society dominated by white male European ideals, I was taught world history from this point of view. I grew up with the privilege of not being discriminated against for the colour of my skin, my gender, or other attributes. Because of this, many times I see my words or actions as acceptable, while they instead cause harm because of my insensitiveness. Racism has always been wrong. It doesn't matter if someone is just a little racist or very racist, it's still racist. How many times have I made similar mistakes in the past? I don't know, but probably many times. There's a saying, you don't know what you don't know. But I want to know, I want to learn, and I want to change. I've said that I don't see myself as racist. Today I also understand that I can't just be satisfied being not racist. I want to be anti-racist. I know that I have a lot to learn, and I apologise if I slip up and make mistakes along the way. I promise to educate myself with the help of others. I want to be an active part of fighting against racism and other social issues. I want to learn from my mistakes and improve. Together with help from my friends at Board and Dice, I've already started to learn about racial issues, Black Lives Matter, systemic racism, and will find ways that I can show that I'm against racism, not just say it. Words matter, but actions matter more. So, that was a very long-winded and fairly detailed apology. It's had a mixed reception across the board. We've seen many white people in the board gaming world accept this at face value. We've seen many people who this has affected take it at less than face value. So, actions matter more. On that note, it does appear that Tashini seems to be moving forwards. He's pledged to put 15% of the profits from his next game towards organisations that support people of colour and fights for their rights. We're getting this from German site kulturgutspiel.de and we will share that post as it has a good summary of the whole affair. On behalf of Giant Brain, we are not accepting this apology for other people. It's not our place to say whether this is good enough for the harm that he's caused people. We're just reporting on this and letting people make up their own minds.
And Jamie, while we're on the subject of translation issues. That's one way to put it. Uh, Berserk Games, makers of Tabletop Simulator, something I believe has done, let's call it Gangbusters, since uh, the pandemic last year. It's almost a year old. How time flies. Uh, Tabletop Simulator is putting out an update. It did on the 29th of January. In this update, they say Tabletop Simulator now supports 29 different languages, which is good. Via Google Translate. Oh. Berserk Games additionally said they were excited to see what native speakers in the community can come up with for the most authentic multilingual gameplay experience. Give us your labor for free. So reaction uh, has been one of mixed mixed maybe uh disbelief uh, noting rulebook translation services are expensive due to both language nuance and localization required to correctly translate and several high profile errors for example game title level uh, have been found immediately berserk's secondary point about using native speakers has been interpreted as relying on unpaid labor i think Just you <laughs> I, think, I think i think it's worth reaching out to a wider community absolutely i think it's worth it is Yes, reach out to a wider community, but go all the way for it. Don't 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 do half the work and then go. Could you could you do it, guys? Because yeah, this is an accessibility yeah. issue, really, isn't it? It's you're trying to make your 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 platform more accessible, and rather than actually spending some of the money that you probably have from a year of people like us sitting in rooms going, well, it's better than not playing board games, isn't it? And buying your thing you've decided to push that out to the community. Also a platform, which is kind of controversial. Let's face it. We, we, we use tabletop simulator. We like it, but it is a controversial platform that has a lot of copyright problems because a lot of the games on there are not there by the permission of publishers. Mm. That is true. Yep. So like, yeah, it's, it's kind of, I mean, if Google translate was perfect, fine. But it's not, and we all know it's not. Yeah, I mean, I, I, if you've ever looked into how film titles get translated across the world, you should know that there's very many, many interesting, hilarious mistakes made. Just horrible things. It's yeah. not easy. Translating is hard. I have read several really terrible rule books that I've looked up later and discovered translated into English from another language without the necessary care i can only imagine what just yeah. running it through google translate live is gonna do yeah, yeah i mean we, we we get imports occasionally from china parts for bicycles and that kind of thing and the instruction manuals to those have obviously just been put through a google translate of some description because it's not good as any student of languages at secondary school who's doing their exams or any work with like don't translate stuff via google translate wholesale and pass it off okay it's not going to work i had a friend uh, true story a friend of mine who was doing uh, a german doing german with me and he translated i play squash via the old app babelfish uh, and it went as instead of i play the game squash it was i play the vegetable squash now Brilliant. that was that was in the mid 2000s and that was oh goodness that was about 20 years ago <laughs> Hey, I'm the old one on the I cast. Don't you start. Five years ago. Yeah. Anyway. I mean, JFK um, famously stood up and called himself a donut. You know. I think that's apocryphal. 
Ian, don't believe everything you read on the internet. See, Ian backed me up here. Let's get on with the news then. <laughs> Be like that. Do you remember last year, gents, when Wizards of the Coast had, let's say, some issues all around uh, representation and um, generally being nice? Yeah, you remember that? They had had some issues, and you think they'd want to work on that, right? Like, maybe be a bit more inclusive, bring more people into the community, be a bit more open. You'd expect that from them, right? Have I got news for you? Tweet out from the official Wizards of the Coast Dungeons & Dragons account. A new actual play series was announced starring Muppets. So far, so good. However, the picture accompanying the announcement caused quite a stir because front and centre is a sentence that I never thought I'd write down in some show notes, an amply bosomed Muppet in a chainmail bikini. (laughs) Sorry, that isn't funny. It is is kind of funny. It's funny in that you had to write it and I've now said it. Yeah. Now, the cast of this actual play series they made their own Muppets, like so it is someone's creation, that's what they wanted to be represented by. But and as a few people point out on Twitter, it's not a problem to have a lady with large assets in your game, Muppet or otherwise. But that pro- the problem really comes with the representation of chainmail bikinis once more, like this sexualization of women in fantasy. And you're sexualizing a Muppet, which is just plain goddamn weird leave that to avenue q because they are people who a have a full form story b very good at what they did and c it was funny well that's the thing jamie about this this because po- i've looked a little bit into this actual play series and it is very much of the avenue q style of muppet so there's there is probably there's swearing and it's a sort of adult D kind of game that's kind of the intention but considering all the wizards problems last year this feels incredibly tone deaf. Just yep. shockingly so. It, there was also a few people pointing out that um, Twitter's algorithm cropped the image quite a lot on uh, the lady's cleavage. Well, the Muppet's cleavage. So that was the first thing you saw when, uh, during all the announcements. It's just... Like, it just feels really weird. It's, it feels like an opportunity missed to get, maybe get kids into D&D through like, the medium of puppetry, which is a really cool idea, which I really, really like. But instead <laughs> you've got... We went, what do we do in what? D&D? We, put, we do sexism. We put weird, naked pictures of, well, semi-naked women into our, onto the covers of our games. That's what we do. Now, if all the male Muppets were like, particularly buff and naked as well, I might not have as so much problem with that, but they're not. At least that'd be fair representation, you know? But instead we have this. Depends on power balance as well with that yeah, kind of that stuff. Yeah, it does like, depend on power balance. There's a lot of other factors there, yeah. I'm being a little glib yeah. there, I know. But you, you, no. you see my point. But yeah, it just, <laughs> it just, just feels really tone deaf from Wizards. Like, you've had such problems in the last year. You've got an opportunity to do a thing here. And instead, you're putting out this. And it's, it's just beggar's belief. It really does. I mean, it's slightly funny. But it's also just what? The method and how it was announced is summed up really neatly by Emma Larkins, who is a host at Ludology Pod and well-renowned designer in her own, her own right. On Twitter, she said, here's what's bothering me about the D&D puppet boobs thing. Wizards of the Coast, a company with ongoing diversity issues. 
posted the image with no context, knowing it would make a certain demographic unhappy. Then they used the fact that the look was created by a black actor as a gotcha. They can do the thing they've gotten into trouble over the past, stereotyping women, just look at any old D&D or Magic the Gathering art, and use a person of colour to shield them from consequence. Yeah, that's not great, is it? It's... Yeah. It's It's either incompetent or it's... Yeah, it's it's either willfully incompetent or malicious, and depending on how you read that. It's not good either way. Anyway, Ian, on to slightly happier news of a new company for me. Onto some very good news that we're happy to put a spotlight onto. There's a new company from Isaac Vega, designer of Dead of Winter and Forgotten Waters, and Lindsay Road. It's called Rose Gauntlet Games, and they have set out their values, which are fantastic to read. Also of note is that Danny Plays Games, who we spoke about earlier in the episode, has been hired as their marketing manager. So it's just a fantastic team all around. Rose Gauntlet's values are what really stands out, however. They say, we believe games are for everyone, and that their greatest purpose is to bring people together. We aim to make our games an enjoyable experience that reflects the diverse community that plays them. They strive to build community. We believe that community is the beating heart that keeps our company thriving. We are dedicated to creating a place of respect, where community can grow, to listen to the feedback of our fans, and to leave a lasting positive impact on our industry. They believe our hearts are in our stories. We believe that every game can tell a story, and within those stories, we have a chance to reveal our hearts. We aim to only move forward with projects that embody a deeper meaning. Stories that say something about who we are, what we believe in, and serve as a moment to truly connect with our community. Their final value is resilience. We believe in the resilience of ourselves and our team. When things go wrong, we don't give up or waste our time with blame. Instead, we focus on their solution and never stop moving forward. We stand up for what we believe in, our community, and one another. Lovely. Yeah, a new company fully setting out their values like this is exactly what we need in the industry. It's, it's great to see. Fantastic stuff. Love it. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Ooh. Yes. <laughs> Jamie, I believe you have some news about magic. Yes. Now, we've talked a lot on the cast uh, in previous podcasts about Pokemon cards and some of them going for ridiculous amounts of money. Well, this time, it's not Pokemon cards, but it is another card game uh, owned by Wizards of the Coast. Well, Pokemon was originally owned by Wizards of the Coast. You know what I mean. Uh, And that is the granddaddy of them all, Magic Colon The Gathering. With news of a Mint Gem 10... Now, I I think that was explained before, but that is absolute perfect condition, like it just came off the production line. Um, Yeah, there's very few cards that are Mint Gem 10 level, but a Mint Gem 10 Black Lotus has gone up for auction. Now, the price was pushed to $700,000 before bids were denied due to not being able to verify the bidders. Sitting at around $300,000 for a week, some late bidding pushed the final bid to $511,000. That is, of course, just over half a million dollars for a card. But it is not just a card, it's in Mint Gem 10 Black Lotus. Now, I do not play Magic the Gathering, but even I am aware that this thing is a big flipping deal. 
This pushes Magic the Gathering back above Pokemon for the most expensive singular card sold, which previously was a Charizard worth $360,000. Now, Pokemon, of course, continues to garner lots of money, and those fine, fine folks at Dicebreaker have noted that controversial YouTuber Logan Paul, who has been heavily involved in Pokemon price auctions, will be auctioning cards live on stream soon, including his own personal brand of cryptocurrency as an incentive. His what now? Yeah, I don't. <laughs> you I, are. I, I'm going to say right now, I don't care about Ugh. personal cryptocurrency, but it is, you know, the children of the 90s. I know they're a bit younger than, you know, growing up early 90s, but they're now able to to get this stuff on Pokemon cards. Big pop culture. It's the biggest selling, uh, most profitable pop culture franchise ever. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a lot of cheddar there. Quite astonishing, isn't it? And fant- I mean, amazing news for the, for the Black Lotus as well. I say it as well. That was the main story. Anyway, Ian, uh, coming away from capitalism, Asmodee is getting science on. Yes. Asmodee have created a research program called Game in Lab, which aims to provide meaningful data in board gaming. The results from their first clinical study, which is called Cognitive Adaptation Behavior, were released at the end of January and showed that board games provide significant beneficial effects on those suffering from Alzheimer's disease. The study had several phases, including the final phase, which was a two-month study on 20 patients involving questionnaires and phone interviews. Game and Lab have also announced they're looking to fund three to five research grants of up to 15,000 euros for short-term new research projects that either involve board games or involve board games relating to youth and education. We'll include the link on how university researchers can apply in the show notes. Otherwise, great to see some science happening. Fantastic. It's a small study, but it, yeah, step in the right direction. We've, there's always been the sort of kind of little studies done here and there which show that board gaming is good for people with Alzheimer's and other cognitive diseases. So yeah, it'd be good to see a big company actually throwing their weight behind some research to, to actually prove that once and for all. Fantastic stuff. Uh, we did put out a little call on Twitter for a brainstorm subject for this cast, but uh, that was before uh, everything else happened. So unfortunately, we're not going to be doing a brainstorm this time around. We'd just like to give a shout out to all our patrons. Thank you very much for continuing to support the cast, including new patron Campbell Canard, who uh, recently joined us. Uh, so thank you very much. Come along to the Discord, have a chat with us, and you'll get access to uh, some extra bits and pieces on the Discord server as well. Of course, our executive producers, Lucky Sparrow Gaming Cafe, continue to support us. Thank you very much, folks. And Sean Newman of the Game A Lot team. There's loads of ways to support us on the page. You can go and look at our supports link, which has got PayPal links, a few affiliate links in there as well, and various other bits and pieces and ways to support the, us and the cast. And of course, we have a Discord now. So do come along and chat to us. We're playing games. And this coming Tuesday, which is the day after this cast goes out, so that's Tuesday the 9th of February, We'll be having our first games night on the cast, so we're looking forward to playing some games with folks, board, computer games, and otherwise, maybe some RPGs. Who knows? Netrunner. Yeah, if Ian doesn't get to play some Netrunner, he's probably going to chew someone's arm off. It's entirely possible. (laughs) Netrunner. Yes, it's the end of the show, which means only one thing, Monopoly time. Now, normally, of course, I have Monopoly news, but since we had Monopoly speed last week, Monopoly has sort of needs a breather for a wee while. So it's it's having a wee sit down. It's got a, a bottle of isotonic sports drink. It'll be fine. Might be back soon.
Don't worry about that. Instead, I've got some news from the block-tumbling, high-stakes world of Jenga. This is news that Alden Maxwell, a 12-year-old from Salmon Arm, British Columbia in Canada, broke the world record for most Jenga blocks stacked on one vertical Jenga block on the 29th of November, with a total of... Guess how many blocks, guys? Actually, this is going to be useless because you've all seen the document. <laughs> Ten. We've got to start hiding numbers in the document. We've got to start hiding numbers. It is 693 blocks. According to the official report on the Guinness World Records website, Alden has wanted to earn a Guinness World Records title since he was six years old and has been balancing and stacking objects for as long as he can remember. Now, there is a video of the, the attempt. So cool. I would recommend it. It's really cool. And Alden's comments on his new world record, this is my dream come true. Fantastic news, man. Well done, Alden. It's seriously impressive, especially the bit at the end where he topples the whole thing over. I'm, I'm afraid it's so big and heavy, it's going to like form a dent in his floor. But he topples it over using Guinness World Record books as a domino effect. Yeah. And it's worth, worth making clear that he's stacking Jenga blocks on a, a, a single Jenga block that's like end to end. So like, yeah, vertical. it's just impressive. Ian, as, yeah, as I said earlier, a vertical Jenga block and then everything else is balanced horizontally on it. It's so cool. Seriously. Yeah. That's impressive. Seriously. Yeah, it's astonishing. Alden is one talented kid. Hard to disagree with. Mr. Chandler, take us home. Thanks very much for listening. If you liked what you've listened to, then the best way to help us out is to share the podcast. You can also follow us on Discord. Find us on the Discord. Play Netrunner with me. Twitter, twitter.com, The Giant Brain, Instagram, Giant Brain UK, Facebook, The Giant Brain, website, giantbrain.co.uk. And finally, send those emails to ian at giantuk at gmail.com. Thanks very much. That's all from us. Bye. Goodbye, folks. Goodbye. Goodbye.